1: ah <laughs> I
2: ardently sigh,
1: but Thank uh-huh. i <laughs>
3: Oh, me, oh, oh, mi Tu bist have a child? Do you have a child? Do you have a child? My give you Oh, mi, I'm <risos>
0: Friday morning, Rosh Chodesh morning at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills on the web, jm and the org. Oh yes, our friends up in Rockland County, they're at 91.9 on the FM dial, and we say good morning to Rockland County and thank them very much for tuning in. I heard the Hevra with Ad Toda, a song from Baruch Levine, his brand new one is Modim. 8 Katz and in Yehei Rava. Avremo Avram Freed, off his brand new one, the uh, title track, to Amachaya. Ben Sion Shenker, in honor of Rosh Chodesh. You heard both Pishuli and Betseis Israel, And from uh, Regesh, Modani, opening things up. And we say good morning. J.M. in the AM on this Friday. It's October 4th, the 30th day in the month of Tishrei. We call it the first day of uh, Rosh Chodesh, Mar Cheshvan. Erev Shabbos, Parashas Noach. It is Hollander's Ofruf Shabbos. It was my Ofruf Shabbos uh, like 24 years ago. And it is Hollander's Ofruf Shabbos tomorrow. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, Parshas Noah, candlelighting, easy to remember, 6.13, 6.13, candlelighting time. On this era of Shabbos, 65 degrees, 76% humidity, winds are calm. Afternoon thunderstorms with a high temperature of 83. Then tonight, scattered thunderstorms, a low 65. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, high temperature 78 degrees. Right now, we're at uh, 81 in Yerushalayim, Tel Aviv, Haifa. A lot is at 86, 65 here in Jersey City. As we say good morning here at JM and the AM, I believe candle lighting in Israel or at least in Yerushalayim, is about a quarter to six, if I'm not mistaken. So if you want to reach somebody in Israel, I guess you've got to call them by about uh, 10, 10.30 this morning, Eastern Time. We have an amazing music mix to get you going for an Erev Shabbos. It's uh, online at jmandtheam.org. Make sure to be tuned in. We're going to head until 9 o'clock with J.M. and the AM, then Naomi Nachman, and table for two. Uh, our Erev Shabbos music mix will go from 10 a.m. until candle lighting time, A big shout-out to our friends at the Kedem Wine Corporation on their way to work in Bayonne, New Jersey. We say good morning to them from all of us here at JM in the AM. And uh, yesterday we had quite a day on the stream, I must say. I had a blast sitting in for Michael Fragan last night on Spin Class. We had some great brand-new programming yesterday. Including, uh, David Lieberman. Dr. Lieberman has a, a show at one o'clock on Thursday on our stream at jmnam.org. You heard the, uh, uh the, um, uh, presentations by Charlie Harari and Miriam L. Wallach in the morning after JM and the AM. We had a great day yesterday on the stream. I thank everybody for checking in with us on our Facebook update page, Jewish Radio World with Nahum Siegel on Twitter and Nahum Siegel Net. Today, the weekly update returns. And quite a week for the return of the weekly update. Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, was in New York this week and spoke at the United Nations. And um, we will discuss all of that with Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, coming up about 7.40 Eastern time this morning right here at JM The AM. So the weekly update just over an hour away. Rabbi Yudin, of course, with Parshas Noach and plenty more going on. On a JM and the AM Friday morning broadcast. Check out our community calendar online. Uh, go to jmam org. Click on community calendar. You'll see what's happening in your area. Plus, make sure to uh, there we go. Uh, make sure to vote in the top nine at nine. That's going to be happening Tuesday at nine p.m. on our stream at jmam dot org. It has already proven to be very popular. We haven't had the first countdown yet. Check it all out. Go to my website, com. You'll see at the top it says 9 at 9. You can vote once. You can write in a vote if you wish. If you don't like the song selections that Jesse's gets put up there, and get ready for Tuesday night when the whole thing gets counted down, starting at number 9 and heading to number 1 in what is going to be a weekly authentic polling system brought to you by uh, the Nachlem Siegel Network and host Justice Y, who's going to be taking care of it Tuesday nights at nine o'clock. JM and the AM. Happy Rosh Chodesh, everybody. It's an Arab Shabbos at ninety-one point one FM, ninety point one FM in the Catskills, ninety-one point nine FM in Rockland County, around the world in the web, JM the AM.org.
4: One of my favorites, I sing it every Shabbos. Whoever knows the song, feel free to sing along with us.
0: YBC Live with Menucha Vesimcha. Friday morning, Rosh Chodesh morning here at JMM. It'll be a Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, two days, today and tomorrow. Uh, Yehiah Chodesh, done by Dove Hendler. Menucha Vesimcha from Ari Goldwag, that's brand new. Mayor Solomon had Adon Olam, you heard the chevra with Ad Olam. Two minutes before 7 o'clock in the morning, Malcolm homeline joins us at 7.40 for the weekly update as we'll analyze the events of this week, and there's a lot to talk about. Especially with the prime minister's speech at the United Nations, there is a lot to talk about. Oh, let's uh, let's listen in on our friends at Tzal to see if the uh, news from Israel will actually start closer to seven o'clock, as opposed to uh, many minutes after seven. That's been the case uh, through last week. See if we can get this straight finally. <laughs> jam in the AM with a reminder that at nine o'clock this morning Naomi Nachman is going to be on our stream at Jam dot org, and she has yet another. Incredible edition of Table for Two. I got to uh, got to give her credit. She's always putting together great shows that are very enjoyable to our listeners, and uh, today is no exception. Today she'll um, speak with fitness guru Ina Kopel, teaching about healthy eating to sustain and fuel about our bodies before and after we work out. She'll also have a semi-finalist in the Pillsbury One Million Dollar Bake Off. Amy Siegel will join Naomi Nachman this morning. On table for two at org, followed by our incredible Erev Shabbos music mix, with a big thank you to our friends at Kedem. That's happening from 10 a.m. all the way until candlelighting time. There is no better way to prepare for Shabbos than with that incredible Erev Shabbos music mix. Don't forget, J.M. Sunday with Matis, coming up at 7 o'clock Sunday morning on the stream. Saturday Night single with Avrami tomorrow night, after Parshus Noach, after Shabbos Noach, Rosh Chodesh, uh, coming up at 10 p.m. Eastern time on our stream at JM and the AM. Dot org. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Erev Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh with candle lighting at 6.13. Easy to remember? 6.13 is candle lighting time on this Erev Shabbos. So uh, <clears throat> keep that in mind. That's right. The clock has not been changed yet, but very soon it'll be a much earlier candle lighting time. Afternoon thunderstorms. The high temperature of eighty three. Then tonight scattered thunderstorms. A low sixty five. Tomorrow partly cloudy. A high temperature seventy eight degrees. Major cities in Israel are at eighty one. A lot at eighty six. We're at sixty five here in Jersey cities. We say good morning at J M and the A M. Malcolm homeline and the weekly update coming up at seven forty this morning. We'll try to. Ask them all the important questions as we explore what's happening in this crazy world of ours, and of course, Rabbi Yudin coming up with Parshas Noah at eight fifteen this morning, right here at J M the A M. is in the background. Our news from Israel is coming up. We do this Monday through Friday at seven o'clock in the morning. Galitzal Israel Army Radio two p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from J M the AM.
5: תגלה צהל השעה שתיים, שלום רב, כאן עומר גפן עם מה עכשיו. הותרו לפרסום שמותיהם של שני הצעירים שנהרגו לפנות בוקר מפגיעת הרכבת בעמק חפר. הארוגים הם אבי מור, בן 20, ואביו שר אבי, בן 19. שניהם תושבי אור יהודה שסיימו בילוי לילי במועדון באזור. המשטרה מוסיפה בשעה זו לחקור מה גרם להם ללכת על המסילה ולא להתרחק ממנה גם בעת שהרכבת הגיעה. תאונת פגע וברך שנייה היום, הפעם באזור השרון. הדס שטייף
6: כתבתנו. תושבת נתניה בת 65 חצתה בצהריים את הכביש ברחוב ותמר בנתניה, כשלפתע פגע בער רכב שנמלט מהמקום. הישה נפצעה בינוני ופונתה לטיפול בבית חולים לנייד או בעיר. ירנתו של אדריה שרשמה את מספר רחבו של נהג קבוגא, הוביל למעצרו לפני זמן קצר ברשון נציון, והונחקר כעת במשטרה.
5: ומקדם יותר היום בתל אביב שתי פצועות בתיעונת פגה וברח, שרון פולבר מדווחת.
6: הנהג, דושב לוד בשנות ה-20 לחייו, ברץ
5: התחסום של חניון הסינרמה ברחוב יצחק צדה בעיר, פגע בשתי ציירות של שבול מעקף סמוך ונמלט. הציירות שתיהן בשנות ה-20 לחייהן,
6: נפצו אחת קשה ואחת קל, שלפי פי יחשד די השקור בעת התאונה, מוצר כמה שעות לאחר מכן במיון של בית החולים יחילון.
5: ולסיום, סוף שבוע סתווי צפוי ברחבי הארץ, מספרת כתבתנו
6: תמר ירושלמי. היום תחו להתקררות והטמפרטורות אף נמוכות כחסית לעונה, הים התיכון סוער ומסוכן לרחצה. אזהרה לנהגים, רוחות חזקות מנשבות בערי הצפון, המרכז, הנגב ובערבה. מחר שבת, ספויה התקררות נוספת עם סיכוי (אז) לטפטוב.
5: זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת נוח, בירושלים הערב ברבע לשש, בתל אביב הערב בשש, בחיפה בחמש וחמישים דקות, ביבר שבע ובעילת בשש ושתי דקות. אלה החדשות שערך עומר בן רובי. שבת שלום לכם.
3: i yeah. i
0: He sounds as good as ever. Sandy Shmueli is incredible with Ketov, Actually, the CD is Ketov. It's Sim Shalom here on AJM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast. Shal Shal had uh, Shira Malos. You heard Avremo with Shalom Aleichem. And except Saturday, you did Nefesh here at JM in the AM. News from Israel worked out. We've. Uh, it looks like we're finally back on the same schedule as Galei Tzal. So thank God for that. Speaking of Israel, we'll check out what's happening this week in israel and to analyze the news of the week with uh, malcolm honlein executive vice chairman of the conference of presidents that'll happen at 7 40 this morning right here at jm and the am A phenomenal day planned again for our stream at jm so make sure you tuned in all day long and we thank you for listening in as uh, we've kicked off with our first full official week of the uh, second season of the Naḥum Siegel network we have uh Had a glorious first week, thank God, and we thank you for that. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Noach, it's Hollanders, Ufruf. That's right, it's Hollanders, Ufruf. We wish him the very best, Mazal Tov, to him and his kala from all of us here at JM and the AM. Candlelighting at 613. I like when it's an easy number to remember, 613. Is candlelighting time on this era of Shabbos. Don't forget the 9 at 9. This coming Tuesday night at 9 p.m. on our stream. Yossi's Zweig is going to be counting them down this and every week. You get to vote. Go to the 9 at 9 tab at the very top of NahumSiegel.com and you get to vote on your favorite song. And he'll be counting them down based on your votes coming up this um, a Tuesday night. Soul Farm has an incredible song entitled 40 Days on the Yes Legacy. Perfect for this week. Here it is at JM and the AM. Don't the earth smell sweet when the rain
4: stops beating down? Yeah, don't the earth smell sweet when the rain stops beating down? Oh, I've been moved to reconsider my fears and bitter memories of parties on the wrong side of town. Have It's a warning It's your last chance It's gonna rain For forty days And forty nine
5: I will
4: of all machines.
1: to
7: so. Che che machineo da tam, dimas pia le col
2: fai, falo se tu e viv tam so che no khan dam, dim
0: From that Aaron Titlebound production entitled uh, Al Hamazon from the Amen Amain series. That's Poseach Es Yadecha. J.M. and the AM Friday morning. Erev Shabbos and a Rosh Chodesh morning. Soul Farm had 40 days before that off the Yes Legacy. Perfect for Parshas Noach here at uh, J.M. and the AM. Uh, welcome to a Friday, and thanks for joining us. Malcolm Holmline will join us coming up about 10 minutes from now as we explore the events of the week through our weekly update. Talk about the Prime Minister's speech and much, much more. A special good morning to Dan, listener Dan, at TABC in Teaneck, New Jersey. Listener Dan and I were discussing some of the things about Jam and am last night, and speaking of last night, I had the first opportunity last evening to walk into the TABC brand-new building in Teaneck, New Jersey, all I can say is, wow, Mazaltov, Tov, Turbay Adler, and the, uh, the president, the board, and everybody who, uh, I'm sure, hundreds of people who worked hard to uh, get that building in, uh, in its current state uh, over this past summer and over these last couple of years with the big plans. So it, it was just an amazing... I really... I didn't get the uh, detailed tour... I toured a, the majority of the building really quickly because folks were waiting for us, but uh, it, it is just remarkable. So Tit um, Shu over at TABC. You have a really remarkable facility there. And it was a uh, it was wonderful to see it for the first time. 65 degrees, afternoon thunderstorms, a high temperature of 83. Candle lighting at 613 on this Arab Shabbos Parshus Noah. Again, we say happy Rosh Chodesh to everybody. This is from Hask. Twenty-six. Ding has not confirmed if the Hask announcement, which is scheduled for this coming Tuesday, if we're going to keep to that schedule or not. We don't want to announce anything until everything is etched in stone, as they say. Um, So we're keeping it on the calendar for this coming Tuesday, but I'll update you and let you know what the story is. Also, a live music alert Monday coming up. This coming Monday, a live music alert Monday. We are told that Oneg Shemesh has agreed to visit J.M. and the A.M. Oneg Shemesh, great performer, he has agreed to visit J.M. and the A.M. In fact, and I'm sure we'll discuss this on, uh, on, um, on Monday, he was scheduled uh, to be here a couple of years ago, and uh, something happened to derail those plans. And I apologize to him, but it looks like we're finally going to be able to uh, make it up to him and uh, have a wonderful live performance in studio as well at least that is the plan so um this coming monday um 7:45 we'll call it for a live music alert monday with oneg shemesh in studio at jm in the am
8: Bagi bear strike him is the right. The right. The knife me at the bedarim, pay up the bedarim in the tiles. The knife me at the bedarim, pay up the bedarim the rest of the world is not the same as 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 the The Oymeid with Oymeid, the big priest of Rainlash, the Oymeid with Oymeid, the big priest of Rainlash, the Oymeid with the highest of the mind, the Paco sister, I am a metal, I am a metal, I am a metal, I am a metal, I a metal, I am a a metal, I am a a metal, I am a metal, I am a metal, I am a a metal, I am a a metal, I am a metal, I am a metal, I am a
2: so, my amigo, so my amigo, so
8: so my amigo, so so my amigo, so my so my amigo, so so my amigo, so so my amigo, so my so my amigo, so so my amigo, so so my amigo, so du schon wieder mit der Helix drüber
0: Off of the For that, Mordechai Ben David, Hask 26. We'll we'll figure out with Ding whether we're actually going to make the big Hask announcement on Tuesday or not. He says it's basically time to announce the uh, final lineup, but he wants to make sure it's actually final, final. So we'll let you know. Don't forget, Monday is a live music alert day. Oneg Shemesh is stopping by our studio for a great musical performance this coming Monday. That's how we're going to kick off the week. A live music alert Monday coming up this Monday at JM in the AM. It's Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan. Today is Erev Shabbos Parshas Noach with candle lighting at 613. Mazel Tov to Hollander. His Ufruf is tomorrow. That's right a lot of very excited folks getting ready for Monday night's big wedding 65 degrees afternoon thunderstorms and a high temperature of 83 weekly update with Malcolm homeline in a moment uh, don't forget that the weekly update is available as a podcast go to org. you'll see it as uh, one of our news items on the front page on the home page and you'll be able to access that um, uh, through the through your podcast through it'll it'll show up in your uh in your iTunes how do you like that uh, instructions are there. Check it out and enjoy. I want to thank our friends at com. who continue to recommend to their amazing uh, number of uh, readers our live stream at org. And I want to give a special mazel tov to their editor who was uh, quoted in, um, in a Wall Street Journal article that was discussing this anomaly of Hanukkah and Thanksgiving being together. It seems to be like the latest trend in Jewish American cultural life. Uh, talking about how Hanukkah and Thanksgiving are going to coincide at the end of November. So a, uh, a Yashikach and a Mazel Tov to um, Editor-in-Chief Jolkovsky of JewishWorldReview.com, who enjoyed participating in that Wall Street Journal analysis. Uh, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday. It's been a while, Mr. Honline. Welcome back to JM in the AM.
9: Yeah, but it's like riding a bicycle. Once you've done it, you've, uh, you fall right back into it.
0: So no big deal, huh? All <laughs> well, it's a big deal. But uh... on the uh, on the fifteenth of October is the uh, historic dinner that's going to be taking place. The fiftieth anniversary tribute gala for the Conference of Presidents. You're of course uh, among the honorees for your twenty five years of service, and uh, they have designated the conference has designated all of the uh, past uh, chairman of the uh, last 25 years as guests of honor for that night. What's the update on the big dinner for October the 15th?
9: Well, thank God we are sold out uh, in terms of attendance. Uh, we are, we'll are. be announcing the program, I guess, next week and at the program itself. And we, uh, we are very grateful for the support that we've received. We're still very much open to contributions and people who wish to to uh, take in announcements or ads can do so until noon today.
0: Wait a second! Sold,
9: sold
0: 2-1-2-3-1-8-6-1-1-1. 212-318-6111. Sold out. Is there going to be a secondary ticket market here? Or are we going to see people trying to uh, pawn off those valuable what? ducats on a uh, on social media sites in the next few well, days? Well, we've
9: heard that there is a uh, market where double or triple prices for some of the seats are being <laughs> bid. But if people. And we will see based upon the space and how much we can get into the room. Uh, so any reservations are made now are just being listed, wait-listed. Boy. So we see whether anything else
0: can be done. Malcolm, if you let me sell my tickets, we can make a mint, you know. Okay, well, we can <laughs> talk about it. I, I guess we'll talk <laughs> what, about it. bids I get. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Uh, the President of the United States has... Uh, Postponed his uh, trip to Asia because of the um, government shutdown in Washington, D.C. In your opinion, did he make the right decision?
9: Well, the truth is that you don't have staff to service uh, the visits, and so other trips also uh, by people are being canceled and uh, speeches, things that, that uh, have been planned. But uh, it's a very important meeting, and, and I know that Putin has already expressed uh, regret or, or disappointment that. Uh, president isn't coming uh, to the conference. Uh, but, I, you know, he's really, I think it would be unseeming, I think people's reaction here would have been very negative uh, had the president left Washington at this time.
0: Malcolm, I heard an interesting analysis, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are about this. Someone said because President Obama, relatively speaking, is a newcomer to Washington, we know, you know, U.S. Senator for a very short period of time then becomes President of the United States, he has not formed the bonds in the nation's capital that a a much more experienced um, uh, politician would have in previous decades if he would have been, you know, somebody who got to uh, Washington at a much younger age. And that is affecting his ability to negotiate with both, uh, with, you know, with, uh, with the uh, members of the House and Senate with whom he needs to negotiate. Do you think there's anything to that theory?
9: Well, I don't think it's necessarily related to inexperience. I think it's a, it's a style of governance, and there were presidents of past who were very good at glad handling and, and building relationships. And this president uh, tends to to concentrate the uh, deliberations, everything, in the White House. And you've seen the comments by many members of Congress, including Democrats, saying that uh, the White House liaison people didn't even know who to call because they had not been in touch, and and nor worked the the Congress, um, as other presidents have done. Uh, This is, you know, every president has his style of governance, and this president's is tends to concentrate more in, on the executive and focus even within within the executive in a more narrow way. Uh, other presidents were able to build closer relationships and, and outreach. And the fact is that within Congress, you also have people who stake out positions that don't lend themselves easily to to negotiations. So I think it's a combination of factors that that uh, lead to this to kind of breach that exists, but. It, it was not related just to this. I mean, I've heard it from Democratic congressmen all
0: along. Right. And when you hear that this is unprecedented, you know, smaller groups of, uh, of like-minded public officials, uh, and, and I don't like this term, but they're using it in the media, you know, holding the government hostage, so to speak. It, does that make sense? It's unprecedented, or we've seen this type of activity before. Well,
9: we saw I think the last time was 17 years ago, but there were other times when people allowed the, the government to shut down and a lot of people, you know, joke about it, whether we're better off or not, and they don't realize all the ramifications of, of the shutting down of the government on everything from passports to to uh, the National Institute of Health, the uh, care for people, right. uh, to, you know, day-to-day functions that you may not feel immediately until you actually come to need that service.
0: All right. All right, it's on to uh, what I believe was a historic speech, this week's uh, speech by the Prime Minister of Israel at the United Nations
10: three decades ago president ronald reagan famously advised trust but verify when it comes to iran's nuclear weapons program here's my advice distrust dismantle and verify ladies and gentlemen israel will never acquiesce to nuclear arms in the hands of a rogue regime that repeatedly promises to wipe us off the map. Against such a threat Israel will have no choice but to defend itself. I want there to be no confusion on this point. Israel will not allow Iran to get nuclear weapons. If Israel is forced to stand alone Israel will stand alone. Yet in standing alone, Israel will know that we will be defending many, many others.
0: Malcolm, I felt he hit a home run with this speech. Could he have been any more clearer on this issue than he was earlier this week?
9: Well, I don't think you can accuse him of vacillating in in the language (laughs) he used or the... uh, um Intensity of, of uh, the commitment that he expressed. He was he was crystal clear about Israel's readiness, if necessary, not out of out of intent or desire, but out of necessity. And and already, if you you see what the, the what Rouhani and we'll, we should, we'll talk about him in a minute. Mm-hmm. But he issued a statement yesterday where he said the people should be assured that the right to nuclear technology and the right to enrichment in Iran are not negotiable. This is his words after the discussion with the president, after everything else, that, that, uh, says very clearly what his intentions are, who he is, and that, uh, everything is a sham, including this whole idea about a fatwa that Khomeini supposedly issued that they shouldn't have, uh, nuclear weapons, shouldn't build be- development. There is no such fatwa that anybody can find. There's a book that was published of 490 of his, uh, of most recent fatwas. And not one of them deals with the nuclear program. And if if you go to the history of Rouhani, if you you put in context, uh, you know the, there's an old saying uh, that when you if you want peace, prepare to, for war. Mm-hmm. And Netanyahu said something very interesting in, in I think it was in one of the interviews where he said that the last century taught us that when a radical regime with global ambitions gets awesome power. Sooner or later, its appetite for aggression knows no bounds. Ooh. That's the central lesson of the 20th century. And and that really is a message that seems to be lost on people. They, that do they want such an easy out? Rouhani wrote a book in, in after he's written 10 books, but one of them was about his tenure as the negotiator, nuclear negotiator with the West between 2003 and 2006. And he says there how he lied, how he obfuscated. He, he tells it, and he says that there's no compromise on this issue. So, the history is very clear. This guy was the head of the National Security Council in Iran, I think from 1989 till the early 2000s, maybe till he became the negotiator in 2003. That was when they bombed the Amiya building and the Israeli embassies in in Buenos Aires. This is when they blew up Hobart Towers, uh, executed many of the, quote, dissidents and, and opposition, and he, he's been very clear. You know, they say we will never have the seed or secrecy, and yet we found that in, two, in the early 2000s where they built all these secret facilities, and we're finding out about more secret facilities even today. And as B.B. said, you know, we, we saw how North Korea played the same game, saying it was for peaceful purposes, et cetera, and they offered meaningless concessions, as are being offered now. And he said this is like 50 North Koreas. The, the, the seriousness of what this will mean for the region of what what is really entailed here and there is no right to enrichment many countries have nuclear power but they don't have enrichment they can buy the nuclear uh, uh, the uranium enough to use for quote peaceful purposes but they have enough oil and gas for their electricity for two hundred years according to a recent study so they don 't need it for you know to create electricity and if you're creating electricity you don 't need to build uh, interballistic missiles, and you don't have to test weaponization of uh, for, for putting uh, nuclear weapons on on the missiles. So w- we have seen a complete distortion, and the, the some of the media coverage of the speech that you excerpted has been so distorted, it, it's almost inconceivable. There got to be some really clear lines: one, all enrichment stops; two, all the stockpiles out three dismantle the facilities because if you leave them there even if they say oh we're not going to use them it's it's finished it's gonna they're gonna they can reactivate them overnight or they can keep them secretly going and lastly you have to have all the work at this heavy water reactor that I spoke about here if you remember years ago saying that this was happening and that they have another facility an alternative route to get to, to nuclear weapons and I know that this may all seem very detailed but this is the critical challenge uh, it, it, that we have today and the the uh, goal here is clearly one for the Iranians and that is to relieve the pressure of the sanctions which is affecting the economy and Rouhani who, who has all along expressed support for the violation of international law uh, including during the U.S. embassy takeover in, in, um, in Iran in 1989 uh, the fatwa against Salman Rushdie I mean so many things that tell you that what you're seeing is not what you're getting. That This is a different individual that he is trying to portray himself uh,
0: to be. I, uh, I I spoke with somebody who traveled with BB all three days, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, uh, while he was here. And um, a bunch of things I want to ask you uh, about things I heard, which we'll get to. But one of the things he said is you'll never believe, uh, because of how the media portrays it, you'll never believe how well... Benjamin Netanyahu and Barack Obama get along. You, you wouldn't believe how close they've become on issues like this. With that in mind, let's just assume for a moment that that's true. With that in mind, we haven't spoken in three weeks, Malcolm. I could tell you that the issue or the item, the news item that shook our community more than any, and in the last three weeks there were a lot of news items to shake our community, Malcolm, but I think the one that generally got to everybody was the phone call from the President of the United States with the uh, leader of Iran. So now, if it's true, in fact, that intelligence cooperation continues, and you know, and and whether they're close friends or not, you know, is irrelevant to this. But if there is real cooperation, etc., how how could the president of the United States felt it was a good idea to make that call?
9: Okay, so you are right that there is an image that's created. Some of it was rooted in the very tense exchanges of the past. That was not the case now. I did see Netanyahu during his visit, and he did address a Group of Pavaris. And he was very calm in, in the private meetings, uh, also reflected the same thing. I, I, I did not detect, uh, you know, the tension that sometimes uh, had occurred after visits to the White House or Washington, even though there are real big differences. Right. We should not, that, that one, these are two different issues. One is that the the ultimate goal is the same on both, and that is not to have a nuclear reactor, uh, nuclear weapons in the hands of the Iranians, and but we still see differences nuance this whole idea of leaving three and a half percent and and allowing them um, uh, working reactors, absolutely not if they have one reactor now that's producing electricity at Boucher, which is with uranium fuel that was uh, supplied by by uh, by Russia so I think in the meetings itself the the estimates the uh, analysis are not that far apart about what the danger is the question is what to do about it and uh, Rahani has said that the president approached him five times he boasts in iran that he you know he made him come back six times and the reason why he wanted a phone call and not a meeting is because he can't take pictures of a phone call so he doesn't have to answer to the people back home if you see him shaking hands with the with the president and he has you know these hard right wing uh, hard extremists uh, irgc who are even more extreme than the regular iranian regime uh, who are opposed to any kind of uh, compromise but the but uh, Kerry said this week that a, a bad deal, a, a no deal is better than a bad deal, and what we're talking about right now is a bad deal. And Netanyahu addressed that as well about not allowing there to be a, a, a bad deal. And, and even the leaders of the Senate, Menendez and Lindsey Graham, wrote an op-ed piece, which was very interesting because it laid out, you know, these specific conditions about what needs to be done. So one. I think your observation is right that the, the president and the uh, uh, and the prime minister spent a lot of time together. They discussed these issues at length. There were subsequent meetings with, at other levels with the vice president, with Secretary Kerry and Susan Rice, uh, trying to come up with uh, an approach. But if you look the facts around, Khomeini appointed a new national security advisor. The guy was one of the people who funded the nuclear program. Name is Shomkin. He was head of the, uh, 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 he he was involved uh, with the IRGC, the Iran Revolutionary Guard. He was an officer there, and he opposes any compromise. And Rouhani will have very little room, in fact, to do anything. So the president is saying, look, let's put him to the test, expose to the world that we gave him every chance, and they can't deliver. They'll pay the price, and that there will be no... And what I think came out of the visit that was very important was the declaration by the president and the prime minister that no removal of sanctions until there's actual performance. And that was a very critical and remains a critical issue that there are people who are pressing, well, you should uh, lay off, because once there's a breach in that wall, you know that many Europeans and others will will run from these things because they those who want to make money.
0: But the issue is the level of the sanctions
9: no it's the it's whether you in, in any way diminish the sanctions some are saying
0: right well, that's you, what the prime minister's concerned about that, they, yes. that and they I'm saying that the president did say that there right. would not be it would stay at the same level uh, but what about the phone call then so from the from the president of the United States perspective why make the call because he's got to give every chance he has to give that perception globally that he's giving every, is every an chance.
9: orientation of the president about negotiations that you have to try you reach out you, you him the test but in, in, the argument will be made i'm sure that Look, it shows the, the world that we did everything we gave him. So
0: it's Obama-esque. In other words... if he, uh,
9: I, I it, would say yes. I, I would say that there are a, a lot of people, especially, it's not so much Israel. If you look at the Arab countries who, who oppose Iran, if Iran from the Gulf, etc., are very upset because they know that there can't be compromise with Khomeini, and that Khamenei controls the nuclear program, not Rouhani. Rouhani is just... A, a different face, a different beard right. on, on uh, the same right. Iranian policy.
0: Give me a second. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, org. Malcolm Holmine, our weekly update, Friday 7.40 Eastern time here at jmtheam and, and org. By the way, I wish the uh, Secretary of State would use the no deal is better than a bad deal in negotiations with the PA as well. Well, that's what
9: Netanyahu. Oh, really? He said that in uh, response to a question that uh, our meeting with him. Yeah. That uh, the same thing applies there, and that he wouldn't do anything that uh, compromised security, etc. And he said that uh, the quoted carries uh, comment.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good one to apply uh, in regard to the phone call that I got Wednesday afternoon um, 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 for the person traveling with the prime minister. One of the interesting things, and I'm sure you could speak to this point. Uh, He says to me, you'll never believe the type of rock star that Netanyahu is in the U.N. And I say, what do you mean? He goes, the speech ends, and many people, of course, saw the speech uh, and its ending, how the prime minister walked out of the door to his right. And he says, as soon as he walked out of this door, there were people from every country lined up to wait and shake his hand, lined up to see him, all feeling indebted as if, you know, this is the man who could prevent Iran from getting to a point where he could destroy other countries in the region as well. And and, and tell me about that. You know, Netanyahu's always given the impression, at least when he was uh, ambassador to the UN, that, you know, it's a very lonely feeling being in that building. Was he, in fact, enveloped by love after that speech?
9: Well, I wasn't on the line, so I, I was not in the country when he gave it, so I, I can't attest personally to the reaction. There were more people than the TV would make it appear. Uh, as you know, many of the Arab countries, Muslim countries boycott uh, the appearance, and it was also came on the last day right. of the session because of the Umtovim. It, it affected his ability to come earlier. Uh, so he wasn't in the main room. He was in a, in a smaller room. Uh, but the response to his speech was... Uh, was pretty good, uh, considering, you know, that they don't applaud the Prime Minister of Israel very easily. Um, By the way, at the same time, the UN, uh, actually a day later, uh, voted Iran to be the rapporteur, which is official position, of the main committee on disarmament and international security. Hmm. And Iran is today the head of the non-aligned movement, which gives them automatic power in a lot of these uh, situations, and just shows that hypocrisy of the of the ongoing hypocrisy of the u.n. and the effort i think of the media to 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 somehow demean and diminish the significance of the prime minister's address i thought he you know he had a specific message he didn't lecture them he he tried to bring them along to understand what is at stake i mean we we made these mistakes over and over again in the past the u.n. certainly has made more than its share of those mistakes and I, I, I think that there is, um, there, there, it was an attempt on his part to try and create a framework for them to be able to understand. You know, if you give them the simple facts, if people really would look at what's really going on on the ground, which is why I make the references to the appointment of the National Security Advisor. I mean, they're all sending, he's sending the message all the time, all right. and his government. About what their true intent is.
0: Yeah, I sort of looked at it as a, like a UN Part Two speech, you know, sort of like last year he was there to, to lay out the details, so to speak, and this year he was there to affirm that you know our commitment to making sure that Iran is never uh, you know never has weapons of mass destruction is is something that he takes very seriously, like very
9: I- seriously. And you know, the speech was somewhat distorted in, in some of the reports, uh, but you know, if you look at the whole region the message that comes out of this is important vis-a-vis Syria it's important vis-a-vis what's going on in Egypt and we should talk a little bit about sanaa, which gets no yeah
0: I don't know I don't know what we're going to get to today but I gotta ask I gotta ask a couple other things was was Mahmoud Abbas at the UN last year yes because I was told that, that was a very big factor that because he wasn't around this year Bibi felt a lot more comfortable there in terms of what he would or would not say publicly you agree with that
9: well, the, the, the last year they spoke one after another. Right, uh,
0: correct. Right. Meaning,
9: but he was there this year, but he just was there earlier. The so year, it was the separate. At the same time, so
0: they mean the separation. They weren't there the same day, and he didn't, right. ha- he didn't have to look at his speech no, as a response
9: think that affected to him. I I'm Not sure how much he looks at him, but uh, I, I don't think that affected. The, 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 the prime minister made a decision that he was going to speak about the number one priority. He did talk about the peace process. He was very forthcoming about it held out the the hope, but he said, you know, you've got to end the incitement, you've got to have them accept the Jewish state. He said, all this other talk about settlements, this and that, these these are diversions. Those issues can be addressed, but the the key is that they are not prepared to accept the the existence of the Jewish state.
0: And I asked, what's the greatest fear of Bibi and his delegation? And I found this very interesting. The greatest fear, I was told, is that they're going to be accused, or that the perception will be that he's crying wolf? Because every six months he's saying how in six months, you know, or at least the perception is that every six months he's saying that in six months Iran is going to be able to, you know, toss nuclear bombs on different folks, you know, Israel and even yeah, the, the
9: Iranians United, use that. They do officials say officials use that argument. And say for twenty years he kept saying in six months and six months. Right. Six months. So not true. So what is what the fact is that what he said all along and what we have talked about for probably twenty years it is true it is all true look at the infrastructure this is huge this is not you know uh something that you build overnight to have this kind of infrastructure and and perhaps we don't know it all but the iea the international atomic energy agency came out with a report that got almost no coverage which validates all of the concerns and and they they attacked it and they tried to dismantle the report in, uh, in Vienna and if you read the Iranian ambassador's uh, speech there it was a vicious attack on, on everyone and it course, everybody a liar and that and they have the hard evidence I mean this is certainly a neutral group and not theirs Israel or America's uh, agents so the facts speak for themselves and the world chooses to ignore it and there are too many people just chomping at the bit I believe to, to relieve the uh, sanctions. I know some of the European countries are holding tough But the British asked for an exemption already on certain oil sales, even though on other things they they agreed to hang tough. But, you know, if you don't have a backbone, these guys are just going to crack everybody in half and walk through the remains.
0: All right, I'll try to make this the last question on this topic, but let's assume 20, 25, whatever the number of Arab states, Arab countries there are, in your estimation, how many of them were happy that the leader of Israel gets up and quote unquote threatens Iran. I know it wasn't a three. You know what I mean. It, it, it speaks as tough as he does regarding Iran.
9: Not just Arab. If you can ask about Arab and Muslim countries, right? I would say the vast majority.
0: For sure, over fifty percent.
9: Way over fifty percent.
0: And we don't realize that. They are
9: more afraid. They say, look, Israel has the ability to defend itself. I've heard it from Arab leaders saying to me, the heads of state, not with relations with Israel, saying that they, Israel can defend itself. We can't. We count on Israel. Our only hope is that Israel will act. They say we'll condemn them, but they got to act.
0: Yeah. On the subject of no deal is better than a bad deal, I saw Netanyahu last night with Charlie Rose, and, we're, and he keeps asking him about, the meaning he's asking the Prime Minister about the... You know, can can carry, in fact, in the next few months, you know, solve this thousands-year-old problem. You know, it's amazing how everybody wants a a solution immediately. I I know the conflict's gone on for a long time, but you know, Malcolm, these aren't easy issues. You know what I mean? It's very difficult. And the and the Prime Minister, again, even though he doesn't say it exactly like this, is talking about how he doesn't have a reliable peace partner. How he doesn't have a peace partner who's ready to recognize Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state. And I was so proud that he made that the point, by the way, because he. They've gone so many different directions about where these negotiations go or what the right of return of Jerusalem or all these issues you know mean or, or how they'll manifest themselves years from now. But he, he, he stated the bottom line that they do not recognize the Jewish state. And all he's concerned about is that the Jewish state have a right to exist.
9: Right, This has been his position and he he, he understands that the for the American people to get into some of the detailed arguments, etc. is an irrelevancy. Right. There are fundamental facts that they can everybody can relate to and understand. And you see... The inability of Abbas to utter the words.
0: Right. And if he would utter them, who knows what would happen? Who knows how the Arab street would react? Who knows how his... Con- and,
9: and there are a lot of changes taking place vis-a-vis him. You see the changes with Hamas. We see other uh, elements, the developments there. And, uh, I mean, there are many changes that nobody even focuses on now because, you know, each issue eclipses
0: the other. Iran eclipsed Syria, which had eclipsed Egypt, which had eclipsed Iran. Excuse my ignorance. You mean positive or negative changes? In in the hamas uh
9: well that could be positive if, if we would exploit them right but egypt is taking on the hamas and, and the you know in their effort uh, which again gets no attention but it's a very serious matter that the deterioration in the sinai we, that we talked about for so long uh, they're confronting it and they've sent troops in there fighting them and they found that a lot of the source of the problem there the support the, the even some of the manpower is coming from gaza So they had, we saw drones from the Egyptian army flying over Gaza this week, you know, taking pictures of key sites. They said, the Egyptian army said that they have drafted a plan to attack targets in Gaza. And they understand that to stabilize Sinai, they need to neutralize Hamas. And Hamas, I can tell you, is really scared about it. They are in panic about it. They've lost a lot of their income, etc. So... The situation there is is very tense, and the government, it seems, is able to put more attention because, it, while it's not ended, the demonstrations in inside Egypt itself against the government they certainly are, seem to be lessened, and they can put the manpower in the focus on going after and trying to reestablish a sovereign control over the Sinai, which has been lost to these terrible to, to all of these uh, Al
0: Qaeda type uh, terrorist organizations. Do you include Gaza in that? In terms of the ability to eventually take it over? Well, they don't want to take over Gaza. I think what they want to do or to is to quell the rocket
9: get fire. And, and to say, and certainly, yes, to end the rockets, but because the rockets, not because they're going to Israel, but because it, it backfires against Egypt. And they close the tunnels, I think, not. not for Israel's purposes, although the cooperation between the Egyptian military and the Israeli military right now is excellent, uh, it was because they, you know, it was a two-way street. It was, it, it was posing dangers and economic implications, etc., for Egypt itself. But most of all, what they found in in the Sinai that these guys were getting weapons through Gaza, that were getting support, manpower, and um, you know, there are thousands of terrorists today in, in the Sinai. So and what the does government this... is
0: trying to move again? So what does this tell us about the current Egyptian government then? What, what, well,
9: what? I would say that it's, uh, you know, I know that there are people who are critical of the human rights issues, right. there are valid concerns, etc., but we have to see that... This and the influence
0: of the Muslim is, Brotherhood? Uh,
9: and and what they're doing with the Muslim Brotherhood, and today's a Friday, so we'll see what demonstrations there are, but the fact is that they outlawed the Muslim Brotherhood, they put a lot of the leadership in jail, and they're getting away with it. And they are trying to rebalance what morrissey did in in his year in office which was much vaster than i think most people estimated they're trying to redress that um, some people saying they're going back to mubarak or to nasser days or whatever but the military you know with all of the criticisms at, at least they are not allowing the country to become a terrorist base and are trying to rebuild the economy they know that there's no functioning if you don't get the economic conditions it's reversible but it's going to be overwhelming task if possible but I think right now we should try to get them to be uh, to operate in an appropriate way but at the same time we should not abandon them we should be supporting
0: them. now the Prime Minister last night spoke about the uh, well he was asked about the um, uh, the negotiations that went on years ago uh, with Assad regarding uh, Israeli- Syrian relationships Golan Heights etc I'm sure you recall that era very well. What was the goal at that time? It was to try to marginalize Iran, to to get Syria to cut off its relationship with Iran.
9: That has always been a, a goal. But the feeling was that if you could neutralize the Syrian border, that you and somehow reach a peace accord because it was in their common interest. And you know, frankly, dictators in the Middle East seem to be the only ones who really can pull off these kind of deals. Um, that 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 would remove from Israel a major threat. Uh, and enable them then to focus on some of the others, and they would cut off Hezbollah, would reduce the relationship with Iran, uh, that there would be uh, other benefits uh, that would emerge. And
0: Would that deal for sure have included the entire Golan?
9: Uh, essentially, the, most of the Golan, but there could have been a leaseback agreement <laughs> or other things, and the feeling then also was, as I recall, that it, it would take the focus off the Palestinian issue and say, look, Israel moving towards peace with Syria, which is a lot less complicated than the issues involving the Palestinians. Uh, Removal of people from the Golan would not be easy. Removal of Israeli troops, but there was thoughts that they could, all sorts of formulas for how you could keep a presence, etc. But, you know, now the situation in Syria is so much different, I guess it's hard for people to to (laughs) get back to those days.
0: That's true. I mean, in hindsight, I guess it was good that that, those negotiations failed at that point, right? Or... Or could well,
9: anytime th- if you could have a real serious agreement and you know right. uh, the senior Assad was in a much better position to implement something but I, I don't think that they were really ready for a deal and certainly not for concessions and they were demanding 100% of everything back because they said uh, uh, Sadat got 100% of the Sinai they wanted 100% of the Golan uh, I don't think that that was technically feasible for Israel's defense needs and for other reasons and the real loss of the Wine from the Golan would be terrible. Uh, <laughs> by the way, if you look at the situation now, just I you know we don't have a lot of time for it, but you know, the U.S. and the West has trained about a thousand rebel fighters this year. The Hamas and uh, Iran and Hezbollah have trained 20,000. Where? In Syria. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the continued inflow of people coming from Europe from all over into the Syria. Those people are going to pose a long term bigger threat globally. Syria is not a local battle anymore. And when you have hundreds and hundreds of Europeans who are going to go back and those who survive, and I think many governments will make sure that they don't come back, but the, the, the fact is that people have not talked about Syria. The killing is going on. The fighting is going on. You have rebel versus rebel. Now al-Nusra, which is the extreme al-Qaeda group, is emerging more and more powerful in this.
0: Is the issue off the table in Washington? Because you recall just a few weeks ago it was a very hot issue.
9: All of this was a hot issue. And, and then, as I said, each issue eclipses the issue before. Right. Of course, the, the, the close down of Washington eclipses everything for them right
0: now. Right, but uh, the President of the United States, is he expected to revisit this and, and, and talk further about what he had threatened regarding Syria? Or basically, it's on to the next thing.
9: Well, it is it is both, but obviously he's going to revisit it. He has to revisit it because he's he said that there was an absolute... Uh, he set down some absolute lines. Uh, also, Turkey and others are, are pushing on it. Uh, you also have this huge refugee issue, which is going to destabilize countries like Turkey or, or further destabilize, in most cases, Jordan, Turkey, Lebanon, uh, where you have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, and the outflow continues constantly. You're talking about millions of people who are now in the surrounding places, countries, and there's no, no future for them unless, you know, to be repatriated. People are now suggesting cutting up Syria into divisions and giving ethnic things and having everybody go back at go on religious lines, ethnic lines, whatever. These terrorists who are inside the country now are going for absolutes.
0: All right, I, I apologize to you and to the audience. There's a million things we got to talk about, and I'm sure next week we'll have an opportunity, but i gotta I got to play this because not only do I want to make sure that everybody in this audience hears it, but I need your reaction to it. I must have your reaction to this. The Prime Minister of Israel.
10: I am prepared to make a historic compromise for genuine and enduring peace. But I will never compromise on the security of my people and of my country, the one and only Jewish state. Ladies and gentlemen, one cold day in the late 19th century My grandfather, Nathan, and his younger brother, Judah, were standing in a railway station in the heart of Europe. They were seen by a group of anti-Semitic hoodlums who ran towards them, waving clubs, screaming, death to the Jews my grandfather shouted to his younger brother to flee and save himself. And he then stood alone against the raging mob to slow it down. They beat him senseless. They left him for dead. And before he passed out, covered in his own blood, He said to himself, What a disgrace. What a disgrace. The descendants of the Maccabees lie in the mud, powerless to defend themselves. He promised himself then that if he lived, he would take his family to the Jewish homeland and help build a future for the Jewish people. I stand here today as Israel's prime minister because my grandfather kept that promise. And so many other Israelis have a similar story. A parent or a grandparent who fled every conceivable oppression and came to Israel to start a new life in our ancient homeland. Together we've transformed a bludgeoned Jewish people left for dead into a vibrant, thriving nation defending itself with the courage of modern Maccabees, developing limitless possibilities for the future. In our time, the biblical prophecies are being realized. As the prophet Amos said, they shall rebuild ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. They shall till gardens and eat their fruit, and I will plant them upon their soil, never to be uprooted again. Veshavti etchvut ami Israel uvanu arim neshamot v'yashavu vnatu kramim veshatui et yeinam reasuginot v'achluet piriam unetatim alad Ladies and gentlemen, the people of Israel have come home, never to be uprooted again. Malcolm, your comments.
9: I don't think it speaks for itself, and it's an important message. And uh, you know, he spoke as a proud Jew, and and. Uh, I heard him, as I said, subsequently on, on it, and he reiterated th- this very firm commitment. And he and he said that I, I, I realized, because somebody said this to him, that I, I speak not just as the Prime Minister of Israel, but feel that they're were there representing all of the Jewish people everywhere in the world. And that is true. And all of those who can knock Israel and all those people who can so blithely criticize and from all sectors, you know, left, right, center etc. and whatever the motivation have to think about the consequences for everyone And, and the standing of Israel still is precarious in the international community but when you stand with pride when you stand and show courage and strength the world responds
0: each one of us is a representative of the Jewish people I just wish everybody understood that That is true, too. Malcolm, uh, great having you back. (laughs) We will speak Bezrat Hashem next week.
9: Okay, Bezrat Hashem, and thank you. And and, uh, we thank everyone who's responded to the dinner uh, on October 15th. And Bezrat Hashem, we'll see them there, and and, uh, have a good chance.
0: Everybody's, uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say everybody's invited. You're invited to get your name on the waiting list, because Malcolm has indicated that the event is essentially sold out, but you never know. And obviously all contributions are welcome. The, uh, official 50th anniversary tribute gala for the Conference of Presidents is Tuesday night, October the 15th at the Waldorf, 212 Friday morning, our next weekly update, of course, next Friday, 7.40 in the morning Eastern time right here at JM and the Am. Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan, it's Erev Shabbos Parshus Noach. Candle lighting time at 6.13 on this Erev Shabbos. Uh want to wish a Mazel Tov to Rabbi Yudin. Uh, Rabbi Yudin has a brand new, uh, many of you know, uh, Rabbi Yudin has a brand new um a safer, brand new uh, a book of the Torah thoughts that has been released. And, and now that it's Parshish Noach, we are highly recommending it. It actually has a subtitle, This Week We Are Privileged, because of course Rabbi Yudin has begun that way for many, many years, over three decades, each and every Friday, at JM in the AM. So check it out. And again, Mazal Tov, Rabbi Yudin, on a great accomplishment. This time each and every Friday, every of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin.
11: Good morning, Nachum. Good Erech Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Noach. Parshas Noach spans the second 1,000 years of civilization. We start with the Dor HaMabul, the generation of the flood, that, unfortunately God had to literally annihilate and wipe out civilization. And the Parsha ends with the Dor HaFlaga, the generation that is dispersed, that attempted to build a tower, literally, uh, trying to attack God. Interestingly, the major sin that the Torah attributes to the opening part of the parsha. The Dor hamabo is that of chumas, robbery, the breakdown of man to man. And there God says, with this I cannot keep the world functioning. The end of the parsha, where man is getting along with man, but he attempts his attack on God. There, God disperses man. I'd like to just call your attention. There is certain Rashis that enjoy greater notoriety than others. So, at the very beginning of... Of the parsha, indeed, the very first verse, where the Torah tells us that Noach was an ish tzaddik, and he was tamim sav. He was perfect in his generations. So the famous Rashi tells us that yesh me rabusenu Dorshim oso l'shvach. There are those of our rabbis that understand this verse in praise of Noach Kolshkein. Most certainly, Shiloh Hoya Bidar had he lived in a generation with other righteous persons, Hoyot Tzadik Yoseir, he would have been even a greater and more righteous individual. But there are others, Shador Shimo Sola There are others that, unfortunately, understand this in a negative way towards Noah namely the figdoro halyad sadik only in comparison to his generation was he a righteous man ilghayyad bedoro shall abraham had he lived in abraham's time the hayal nakhshab he would not have been of any real significance so just as this rashi is a rather famous one I want to share with you a famous Medrash. The Medrash is found on the verse at the beginning of Shishi in chapter 9, verse 21, 20, where the Torah tells us that after the flood, Noah, the man of the earth, debased himself and planted a vineyard. Rashi understands the word Vayochel atzmo literally the opposite of sacred. Shehoyalola la he should have engaged first acheres with other plantings or staple such as wheat and instead he planted the vineyard. On this verse, the Bereshis Rabbah in chapter 36, paragraph 3, teaches in the name of Rabbi Brachio. Choviv ho Moshe mi-Noach. Moshe was more beloved than Noach. Why? Noach, mishenikra ish Noach the very opening verse of the Torah is called a righteous man but then unfortunately what happens to him Mikra ish adama he ends up in the verse
0: Did you know that Israeli wines consistently win gold medals, trophies, and receive high scores? Bullied. There, the Torah refers to him as they do, the daughters of Yisro, as
11: an Ish Mitzri, literally an Egyptian man, and ultimately he ends up Ish O'Eloh Kim. In Zos Habracha, Moshe is given the greatest accolade that he is literally the man of God. Moshe goes up and Noach comes down. What is it about these two? So it's clear. Rashi tells us at the beginning of the parasha that why does God choose to save Noach and his family via an ark? After all, says Rashi, God can save mankind in many ways. And therefore, Why did God bother him that he should build the ark? Rather, Rashi cites from the Tanchuma that he should be busy building the ark for a hundred and twenty years, and the people should ask him, Noah, Mazos Lucha, what are you doing? who omer lahem and he would respond to them. God is going to bring a flood to the world. hopefully, he could have should have prevailed upon the generation that they should repent. Unfortunately, he did not. And so he is known as that sadiq In pelts, He's known as that righteous individual who, unfortunately, when it's cold, what does he do? He puts on a fur coat. He keeps himself warm. He saves himself and his immediate family. But he does not reach out and influence in a positive way his generation. And in fact, when the Torah tells us in chapter 7 that Noah enters the ark, Mipnei, Mehabapul, because of the waters of the flood Sarashi on the spot Tells us that He himself was Noach Miktane Emuna. Literally he was not among Those who had great faith He was ma'amin ve'enu ma'amin He was vacillating What Would the flood come or not Now what does that mean? It means unfortunately Noach did not have Enough faith in himself That he could do it And enough faith that what? That he can and enough faith in the people that they could do tshuva. Contrast Moshe Rabbeinu with the Torah tells us in chapter 2 of Shmos. Ba Yigdal Moshe As soon as Moshe matured, what does he do? Ba El Echa, Moshe goes out to his brethren. How can I help? Moshe is the personification of the true leader. And unfortunately, Noach, what is named after him in the Haftorah that we're not going to read this Shabbos because it is this Shabbos, Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, and we read a different Moshcho, Haftorah. But in the Torah that would have been for Parashah's Noah from chapter 54 in Yeshaya, what does the Navi say? Noah. So the waters are known as the waters of Noah. What does he leave? He leaves named after him the flood. Very, very tragic. This lesson and the contrast between Noah and his inability to influence others, and Moshe's great ability to reach out and touch so many, is especially poignant for a very sad poll which came out this week. A Pew poll came out, whereby I'm going to read to you just one or two paragraphs. It is most jarring, most sobering, and certainly most disturbing. And I read to you, quote, The first major survey of American Jews in more than 10 years finds a significant rise in those who are not religious, marry outside the faith and not raising their children Jewish, resulting in rapid assimilation that is sweeping through every branch of Judaism except the Orthodox. Now, this is, as I mentioned, so sobering and therefore How do we respond to this? And I really believe that one need not have a title of rabbi, of social worker. One needs to be a proud Jew. And if you are a proud Jew, you have to feel yourself deputized by this kind of very jarring, stark article To remind us that we have a great responsibility, a responsibility of communicating proud and positive aspects of being a Jew to your co-workers, to your co-workers who are not yet observant. And if they're not going to have a Shabbos meal yet, and you can't invite them for whatever the reason, to your Shabbos meal, then bring them a challah to work on Friday. Be comfortable about talking about your religious life. Don't hide it and sweep it under the carpet. Just the opposite. The idea that too often... Unfortunately, the impression that is given is that of, quote, how difficult and trying it is to be Jewish. And this is the wrong message that we're sending. Just the opposite. The beauty, the fulfillment, this is what we have to try to get that message out, starting in our own homes, and certainly to our neighbors, a very important factor. But of course, this wakes us up and reminds us of our responsibility. But I want to share with you a brilliant insight of Rav Salam Veitchik coming from one of his tshuva drushos and he points out something very very fascinating and that is as follows to be a believing jew you have to believe in jews now what does that mean of course to be a believing jew you have to believe in the 13 major principles of our faith as itemized by the Ramban, And the first one is that God is the Borei and Mani. That He is the Creator and He is the one that guides history. No question about it. But in addition, we have to believe in Jews. Now what does that mean? So the Rav said very sharply, the 12th of the 13 Anima Amins is, Anima min I believe with complete and perfect faith, that the Messiah is going to come. And even though he tarries, still I anticipate and I wait every day that he will come. Now listen carefully. The Gemara in Sanhedrin has a debate between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua. Is the Messiah going to come with? the Jewish people repenting, doing tshuva, or even without. And the Rambam Paskins in chapter 7 of Hilcho's tshuva, halacha hei, like Rabeliezer, and he says as follows, that Kolan hanuvi kulam, all of the prophets, tzivu ala tshuva, they all commanded and told the Jewish people that you must repent. And the Rambam says, v'ein yisrael nigo'lin elebet tshuva, and we will never be redeemed until Chuva is done. Ay ay ay. So the listening audience and everybody might say to themselves, What's gonna be? So listen to his next golden words. Ukvar Hifticha Torah. There's no other way to translate those words. The Torah has already promised. The Torah has assured us. Shesof Yisrael Lasos Chuva that in the end the Jewish people will. Do we will repent. Lusam He and there will be a redemption. As dismal as this poll indicates, the belief and more than that the absolute assurance that nesach israel lo yishoker that the jewish people will god forbid never be exterminated and never be uh, extinct and the relationship between god and the jewish people is one that is eternal this is what comes out but more important we cannot follow the footsteps of Noah and unfortunately not have faith in the people just the opposite to be a believing Jew You have to believe in Jews. And therefore, let's remind ourselves, the product that we have called Torah, which is divine, and as He is eternal, so too is His product, and it is so meaningful. We who are privileged to live by the Torah know how special it is, and we have to share this special lifestyle a special way of life with our co-workers and all that we come in contact to in a positive way please God, trying and doing everything we can to reverse this terrible pull. Shabbat Shalom and a good Chodesh to all
0: Friedman, one of the uh, hottest uh, stars out there. Uh, that's uh, Shalom Alechem off the of Yesh Tikvas CD. Before that, I.A. Kunstler with Ms. shear On a Friday morning, it's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Noach Mazel Tub Hollander, Zofrof is this Shabbos. Candlelighting at six thirteen on this Rosh Chodesh. Erev Shabbos. 65 degrees, afternoon thunderstorms, a high temperature of 83. Naomi Nachman has Table for Two coming up on org. She is speaking today. Uh, Between nine and ten this morning, Um, I'm laughing only because after Yontif, I'm sure this is exactly what people want to hear. Fitness guru Ina Copel about healthy eating to sustain and fuel our bodies before and after we work out. How about to uh, sustain and fuel our bodies after putting on twenty pounds over uh, three weeks of Yontif? How's that? (laughs) She'll also speak to a semifinalist in the Pillsbury One Million Dollar Bake Off. Amy Siegel, no relation is going to join her as well. It's all between uh, 9 and 10 Eastern time on the stream at jmnam.org. And our big Arab Shabbos music mix uh, kicks off all the way until candle lighting time. There's no better way to prepare for Shabbos. So make sure you are tuned in all day long. Matis is going to be doing a JM Sunday live from our new one of our New Jersey studios. Uh, coming up Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern time. JM Sunday with Matis, 7 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure you're tuned in. And Avrami has a Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night on the stream starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So a lot going on. Week 2 of our normal uh, format, normal schedule post-yuntif kicks off tomorrow night on the stream at jmtheam.org. Make sure you're tuned in. Community calendar information. Find out what's happening this weekend where you are. Click on the community calendar link on the left side of the page at jmtheam.org. You'll see it on our home page. Don't forget to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. It uh, heads to your inbox every single Monday. You will find the information on the homepage of jmnam.org. You'll also find information about the podcast of my uh, weekly discussion with Malcolm Homeline that we call the Weekly Update. Uh, podcast available, delivered straight to your uh, iTunes. All you got to do is uh, head to the homepage of jmnam.org. If you scroll down in the news section, you will find all the information. Candle lighting at 613 on this era of Shabbos and it is time to say good Shabbos. Here's Journeys at JM in the AM. My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world in the web, jmnam.org. And that wraps up a great week for us here at JMN. Monday we're back, and don't forget, Monday is a live music alert day. Oneg Shemesh. We'll be in studio performing this Monday. Oneg Shemesh 745 Monday morning. We are calling it officially a live music alert Monday. Have a don't forget Matis JM Sunday at seven o'clock in the morning, Eastern Time, Sunday morning at JMtheam.org. And I've run me tomorrow night with Saturday Night Seagull starting at ten PM Eastern Time on the stream. JMtheam.org. Have a wonderful Shabbos, Chodish. A great weekend. Mazel Tov, Hollander! Till next time, Malcolm Sigel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.